All right, welcome to Travel Mouth. I'm your host, Jeff Ehrman. Um, here with a good friend of mine, a food friend as well. His name's Mike. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you? I'm excellent, man. Uh, having a, a pretty good Friday so far and, and really happy you were able to join me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, happy Friday to you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to start off and, and really got some great answers from your questionnaire. I wanted to start off by talking about your family's chili. You said that was something that was sort of a, a ritual that you remember growing up. Can you tell us some more about that chili? <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I guess the, uh, the 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 subtext there is uh, I you know I grew up in rural rural ish Wyoming. Uh, yeah, you know, not the smallest town in Wyoming, but a lot smaller town than I live now. But you know pretty, pretty isolated from a lot of different cultures, foods and things like that. So we, we, you know, chili was the one thing that was a pretty consistent mainstay throughout my entire childhood. And it was, you know, by no means, uh, it, it's, it's my mom and dad making chili in the, in the nineties, not, uh, you know, grinding their own chili peppers and, and any of that, you know, we're buying the store-bought chili powder and all that, but you know, I think there's like, you know, something of a, you know, somebody's chopping up onions, somebody's, you know, gr- uh, frying up the the beef and, um, you know, somebody's opening tin cans or whatever, but everyone can kind of get involved. But yeah, I mean, very, very low tech, um, but just that, that soul food that, you know, I, I still think about, you know, make, make yeah, at least and- a batch a year. I would say even as far as like complexity of flavor, it kind of beats out a lot of the just standard meat and potatoes kind of dishes that, you know, I grew up on that same kind of stuff. And chili yeah. is always kind of something special because it brought that, you know, complexity of spice and, you know, heat and, and meatiness. And it was really a comforting meal. I, I would are, agree with that. Are you a uh, beans or no beans chili guy? Okay. All right. So <laughs> I'm glad you're, I'm glad you led into that because actually uh, on your questionnaire, I wrote the, the word beans question mark. Um, and, and that's, what's funny is I grew up, of course, my mom uh, who was from Texas uh, and you'd think that wouldn't put beans in her chili, but right. her family, a lot of our families from Texas area, she did. I grew up in oh, Ohio wow. uh, eating beans in the chili. Yeah. Kidney beans. I, I feel like, I feel like that's one of those things she didn't share at church on Sundays, you know, not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely. These uh, days, these days I'm a no beans guy. Oh, really? Yeah. And if I am going to add beans, I'd almost want to add them separately. So, you know, have the, the chili, the, the no bean chili, and then just cook up some beans separately and, and serve them either as a topping or on the side or sort of as a, you know, a, a condiment to the chili itself. Yeah, it's like it's such an interesting thought because, you know, having, you know, grown up and and learned a little bit about like how, you know, it is kind of a how to make the dish more filling on a limited yeah. budget kind of move. Yeah. That was made. That, I never you know really what? I bet realized. that's what it was. I yeah, bet that's I, what I'm, it was. I'm pretty sure it's it's a little bit of that that, uh, you know, depression era out. kind of, you know, what, what can we do to make ends meet kind of mentality. I actually it just it tastes good to me. Like I, 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 I'm, I don't even know what I would do to make chili without like, cause I usually do not just chili beans. I usually do pinto and kidney. I don't even nice. use chili beans, just pinto and kidney. And it's usually like a question mark blend of the two cans that I, I usually just buy some at the grocery store. And I'm like, was it, was it one of the big cans of kidney beans or I can't remember, you know, <laughs> you just kind of wing it. Um, well, if you think about like a, a traditional chili con carne is really going to be one texture throughout. It's kind of just that red sauce and the meat. And that's about it. Everything yeah. else is really cooked down and finely ground. So adding, yeah. especially adding like you are more than one bean, you're adding different size, different texture. You're kind of oh, yeah. you know, making, it, making it a more varied dish as well. It is weird because what you described sounds like meat sauce to me. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't make that connection. I'm sure there's somebody listening right now that's like just appalled by my perspective. But um, <laughs> the other thing I'll throw out there, this is like the uh, the Wyoming plug. Um, and you can find it in a lot of grocery stores. I don't think maybe out in Washington, but it's a uh, Chugwater chili. Uh, it's like a chili powder um, from okay. Chugwater, Wyoming. Um, uh-huh. And it's like small town in Wyoming that makes like, a ridiculously good chili powder and that's awesome 
It's it's my it's the well I wouldn't call it a secret. I'd probably say it's a good chance if somebody's making you chili from Wyoming, they they might be using that powder. But um, nice. Yeah, it's it's won awards and all that kind of stuff. But uh, highly recommended if you see it on shelves, pick it up. Well, do you stock it? Do you stock it so that when you make your own chili at home, that you have it there? And oh, not it? only do I stock it, Jeff, but okay. I get it as a stocking stuffer from my oh, mom. Oh, nice! Like <laughs> annually, to the point where I've had to ask her to stop because I, I, I have too you much. Have so much. <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah. if you've got an extra packet laying around, uh, I might try to snag that off you sometime. Oh shoot! I'll make I'll make it happen, man. All right, that would be cool. I definitely want to check that out. So uh, on the on the toppings tip on on what you put on your chili, does anything go on top once it's served? Um, yeah, I mean that's a so that's it gets into like the the comfort food kind of like um, very lazy college kid aspect of my life, but really it's just yeah. shredded cheese and uh, Frito scoops. You know, oh, so, I, oh Fritos, nice. Okay, I had specifically I the scoops, cornbread though. or oyster crackers, but I had forgotten about the Frito scoops. Yeah, that's a good call. I do, I do love some good cornbread. It's not my first go-to, but man, that, that, I mean, that goes with anything. I just love cornbread, but. But I feel like the Frito scoop, it's almost like you've taken the concept of a cracker and the concept of cornbread and married them. You've got the, cr- <laughs> you've got the crunchy cornbread. I don't think I've ever thought that through, but I'll take it. You know, I, I yeah. think it's more that like, I like to eat my spoon, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm, nice. I'm a, I have the salt tooth, I guess you'd say. So just, I do too. I, I love salty things. So like uh, Frito scoops and just having like that punch of salt in every bite on top of the salty. Um, I, you know, I, I probably have some sodium issues, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it is, it is very, very uh, satisfying. And it's, you know, you get the, like the, every, every bite is kind of consistent that way. Yeah. And that's, I think that's half the fun for me is dressing my chili. I know a lot of people just go straight up, but I'm, I'm a sour cream, cheddar cheese, cornbread, uh, raw onions. Like I'm, I'm all in on topping. I, I mean, knowing your Costco dogs, that does not surprise Yeah, ex- exactly. I, yeah. I was going to say, this does ring true to pretty much how I dress everything. I'll, I'll probably throw some like chopped green onions maybe up there oh, or something like, but I just dude. don't usually have like. There's the your, entre- there's your Colorado influence coming in. <laughs> but no i, I like love it. It. specifically sour cream has never really been like i'll have it where it's mixed into things but i'm just i'm not a doll the sour cream guy you know okay even on like a baked potato something like that you wouldn't, nah. you wouldn't go for it okay no man i mean probably i'm as i get older i'm you know getting more <laughs> uh comfortable with that kind of stuff but no it's not gonna be my first choice well, something I have sour cream on pretty often, something you mentioned was uh, pierogies. Really? Where did you Yeah, you don't have sour cream on your pierogies? No. And this God, is another so weird it's so, so good. I Tell me from, about pierogies. I I'm a mutt in in my family, right? Like so Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> my dad was adopted. Um, you know, it wasn't until, you know, recently that started to, you know, figure out some stuff about his lineage, um, and obviously wow. like the 23 and me and stuff, but, you know, he was raised, um, by my grandparents who are predominantly English, uh, German. And then my mom's family is German, Southern, but just, we didn't necessarily have, like, I don't, when I think of like our family dish or like what our family culture food was, it's kind of like, ah, <laughs> it, there isn't something that's specific. Like I, I can't attribute what I ate growing up to like one culture. You know what I mean? It was just more like the, 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 the culmination of things they had eaten growing up that were, you know, sure. available in Wyoming, you know? Um, and so that, that, that kind of informs a lot of, uh, uh, of that. And so pierogies for us, like a store-bought for sure. Um, okay. Possibly also- Mrs. T's. <laughs> oh, I'm like more than certain that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's, that's mostly my experience with pierogies. I have had them handmade yeah. and at restaurants a few times, but I've had a lot of Mrs. T's a lot. Right. And hey, it, it works. It's quality. Yeah. Um, and they, they hold up. They, um, uh, what I'll say is I, I guess I'm also a sucker for like mashed potatoes and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. So just kind of Me like, too potatoes and cheese in a and yes. we would just boil them i just ate them boiled growing up like we were never pan frying them you know and um 
So, so what, I mean, are pierogies Polish in origin? Is that right? Or Eastern European generally? I, East, I think there are different versions of them throughout Eastern Europe, but I, I think the pierogi is a Polish version, I believe. Yeah. I'd have to and, I, on that. and I think what they do is they fill yeah. them with different things, depending on where you are. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Just the, you know, the, the idea of the, the pocket O stuff. Right. In some right. cultures. But yeah, I grew up just being like, oh man, those like potato cheese pockets. Like they're just, that's again. <laughs> In Wyoming, it was just like, oh, it's food, it's good. And then you, you know, you, you, that's, that's pretty much it. Would you, when you boiled them and you brought them out of the water, would they get like a, a pat of butter on top or something? Um, probably not, or man. Shake, I mean, shake a like, salt or this is my mom making this stuff. For okay. Me, so hey, I, I'm just, I'm just asking. I, well, no, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's it. Is I was just a little okay. kid and they just end up on a plate. But if I think about it, they didn't come off as like particularly buttery. I'm buttery. pretty sure they okay. are just like boiled, unsalted. But you know, the 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 potato inside was good enough. <laughs> but I, I do look back because I've eaten them pan fried, and they're so much better. Um, yeah, they are. But like looking back on it, I was like, yeah, I mean, they're good. But I guess I didn't even think about how you were supposed to eat them. You know? Yeah, but. I don't know. I guess I like that level of personalization. You've had a, sure. a different experience that, you know, maybe if, if your family and we'll go back to like culturally how you were saying things are a bit ambiguous. And because of that, maybe, you know, there's some freedom there to develop what your family's food identity is instead of being sort of, well, we're Mexican and so or we're Japanese. And so, you know what I mean? Like, I think that might even allow for some freedom. What I've found is that a lot of those families, and I think this includes my family growing up, um, they all kind of fed off of similar cookbooks. So we all had kind of the, mm-hmm. the the Betty Crocker cookbook or the Better Homes and Gardens or whatever it was. So when people bring up, well, you know, my family ate this certain meatloaf or whatever, they're all sometimes variations of, you know, oh, a, a very 100%. similar recipe of meatloaf. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, like uh, that shared consciousness of food. So like ours would be like my my grandparents were from South Dakota, Rapid City specifically, which is like pretty close to Mount Rushmore over there. But Mm -hmm. um, she like, apparently was somewhat known for her cooking or had like a like a local cookbook that she was invited. I don't know the specifics, but we have some like old recipes that my grandma would put together. But again, they're definitely hodgepodge. But she was like a big Julia Child, you know, inspiring. There you go. So we grew up with a lot of probably what Julia Child made, you know. Um, yeah, bad to think. Well, about. and I think I think that there. whole that whole food influencer thing has really become a lot more people than it used to be. It used to be Julia Child, uh, you know, the Galloping Gourmet guy, Graham Kerr. There was like a few of them. There was like five, and now there's like five hundred. You're right. And so yeah. I I think it's it's diversified itself a lot more. But back in the day. Those were the main people, you know, they were, and if they shared a recipe on how you make a, a souffle, for instance, then everybody was going to make a souffle just like Julia Childs did. So yeah, kind of interesting it, to think it of it It is that interesting way. to think, right? Like, and it's the, the aspects of our history that kind of get lost in the, it's like that Mandela effect where you're like, oh, I always thought my family did it for this reason. And then you find out, they're like, no, I just read that in a, in a magazine once. That's why we made it. <laughs> like I had yep. this whole life of mine. I thought it was something else, but yeah, I thought, I thought my mom created that. And it's like, no, right. that was in reader's, that was in reader's <laughs> digest, honey. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> so tell me about curry chicken. Do you remember the first experience you had with curry chicken and, and, you know, curry chicken means different things to different people. So what is, what was that exactly? <laughs> Yeah, I uh great question as to what it was. So my dad um was in the navy um when he was like, you know, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. And he he would tour it around. And I, you know, it was I it was peacetime. I don't think he, he was active during wartime or anything, but a lot of going around to different ports and trying different food and whatnot. But he um it was legitimately like the the yellow curry you'd get in a shaker from yep. Albert Albertsons. You know, is that a grocery chain people are familiar with? But oh yeah, uh, yeah, Albertsons, and you just so it's just like chicken that and rice. You know, so again, you know, maybe some like little ground pepper and stuff. But it was a pretty simple dish. But I mean, yeah, it was just the some some chopped up chicken breast with that. Um, My. My first experiences with curry was also with just your basic shaker yellow curry. My dad made a 
uh, I don't know. I'd have to ask him where he got this recipe from, but it was uh, something that I've actually tried to make too. And I, I didn't, I don't think I got it quite right, but he made a shrimp and mushroom curry and same thing just served over with the, with the yellow shaker uh, curry and then served over white rice. Mm. So, and yeah. he was in the air force traveling around different places yeah. too. So I bet that's one of those, just like your dad picked it up. I bet it's same, same for my dad. Right. And then, the, I mean, the other part being is that I, I, Yes, like so. My dad again was adopted. We found out it's definitely like Nordic, mm-hmm. um, Danish heritage on that side. That's neat to know that that's like you know, even though it's uh, one of those diaspora foods where they kind of tried to like copy something that they found in another country, it created their own food, and then that food came over here and influenced your family. It's just neat to think about how food can travel through time like that and influence people's cooking and people's eating, right. I love the journey of fried chicken personally, right? Like, oh, you know, I do too. As far and as I would like say, all the cultures that you, have shared in improving that recipe. Yes, yes. Yeah. and Korea recently chiming in yes. with their version of it, which was from uh, American troops being over there making fried chicken. That's where they learned it from. But they, of course, you know, brought their Korean culinary background into it and uh, improved on it. Yeah, and it and yes, they they may have done some of the. I, I don't know. I'm a big Korean fried chicken fan. So um, I am too. Yeah. I'm a huge Korean fried chicken fan. I think it might be the best fried chicken I've ever had. So. But it is like that, that notion <laughs> of, I think cultures are, you know, inevitably every dish that any culture has probably has some parallel in another culture, not direct, but similar styles or similar concepts. And I think the I love like fusion food and things like that where that, you know, just like, Hey, can we kind of make these things mesh? And then like, what does that inspire down the road? You know? Um, yeah. Food and culture just continue to, you know, overlay each other and, and come up with new things. I love it. And that's, what's exciting to me too, is that continual evolution. Um, even I can look at my own childhood and, and even, you know, see the changes that have happened in the forty. What, how old am I? Forty-six years old, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> that I've that I've been alive. I've seen a lot of changes happen with food, and it's neat to think, you know, if I am alive for another forty-five years, if I make it to ninety or so, um, where food will be then? Like, where are we headed? You know, molecular gastronomy influences and science influences, and um, you know, even with the uh, changing diets of people and and how we've kind of created this whole plant-based category and and just where all that's going to go is really interesting to me. Are we going to be eating insects in 30 years? You know, I don't know. Right. I mean, I, you know, obviously if, if I, I'm, I'm a science guy and, you know, you like just yeah. sustainability, sustainability questions in the long term and like really right. what, what, what's feasible and what's not. And yeah, that's a, that's a lot of protein. It's a lot of protein yep. out there that we just kind of think is icky, at least in, you know, some cultures, not all. Um, yeah, I, I've definitely eaten fried crickets once and not, not bad. I, you know, not as bad yeah, as I was expecting. Yeah, same. And I don't know that I got a whole lot of flavor. I had them in like a Chex mix kind of thing. And so yeah, they had same, chili on same. them and everything. Okay. Right. And I don't, I just, yeah. I mean, they're crunchy, they're crispy. I get it, but I don't know if I got a whole lot of flavor out of them, but that that's fair. What I, what I have seen is that they can turn crickets into flour. And then make that flour into things. And so you've got this really protein rich. Yeah. And and you don't really, obviously, because of the, you don't see the cricket, you don't taste the cricket, you know, then no crunch. Um, it's, it's not quite as off-putting for people. So I think that might be things like that, like processing it a little bit beyond the animal might be the right. future of, of insect eating. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I mean, I guarantee it'd be one of those things that if somebody didn't tell you, you probably wouldn't know. And then, you know, yep. It's exactly. how you get little kids to eat things, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. Uh, that's how my mom got us to eat cow tongue. She would uh, wait till after the meal was over. <laughs> after, <laughs> after we told her how good the beef stroganoff was, she would say, okay, that was cow tongue. Uh, oh, and then <laughs> and look at you now. Yeah, Exactly. I know. Now I seek out the cow tongue. I'm like, do you have any tongue? <laughs> you mentioned uh, Alton Brown and how he kind of changed the way you think about cooking. Can you explain a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, I'm a nerd. I, I like my, my science, my numbers, my logical things. And I guess it, you know, to, to kind of go back to like a, a bit of my food journey, but I, um, I started working in like kitchens at like 15, 16, like 
working, you know, um, prep cook or, or dishwasher, that kind of, you know, back of house job, mostly prep. Cook. Yeah. yeah um, I'm glad we're touching on this. But that was like, you know, it's a, it's a steakhouse in my hometown. Um, and we got to make some, you know, pretty, pretty nice things, all things considered, but like the, 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 you know, the culinary, <laughs> how do you make uh escargot attainable for people in, in Wyoming? And it's, oh, you put cheese on it. <laughs> so nice. there's, there's some of that, uh, which I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, not totally uncommon either, but um, you know, I kind of had the lens of like, okay, what's on the menu? We're making it. You just, you know, you just take this, you put it in here and you, you put it in the freezer. And then when the, you know, chefs, you know, pull it out, it's ready to heat and be ready. You know, um, yeah. you know, I don't think you get a full appreciation. And, you know, I worked in, um, a truck stop restaurant in college and I was the buffet cook there. And that was, that was one of those things that makes you really like, not, I don't know the food, the food was, is for truckers and it was a truck stop buffet. So you just do the math sure. on that. It's, it's yeah. not the, the, the best cuts of meat or the, you know, uh, stuff sits under a heat lamp all day, but I had kind of this, right. like, you know, I, you know, at the steakhouse, the steaks were definitely good, things like that. But I had an interesting food journey where I was just kind of on the outskirts of it. Um, but I really got into the, the, I think it's good eats, right. That's the, the Elton Brown, yeah. like, yeah I, yeah, I really, really started getting into that show because it's not just about um, cooking. It's about the why behind cooking. Exactly. I'm, I'm very much a why person. Like I am too. Like the episode where he goes and figures out the correct like proportions or ratios, like how to get or like it's it's a pie crust. Right. And he's like, well, people say it's like you want flaky, you want crispy, you want buttery. And it's like, well, you can't. Like if it's, if the, if the butter's ingrained in all the crusts, you don't get this. And if it's chunks, you, you so they, or whatever, they figured out the conclusion was to have chunks of butter in the dough mm-hmm. to get the balance between flaky and chewy or whatever. Um, but he just, you know, he gets into the science behind it. It's, it's, you know, testing and learning and all this stuff that it's like, yeah, it's, it's very smart. And it is ultimately chemistry that we're talking about. Um, so it's somewhat predictable. So it's just interesting to like kind of look at food and understanding, you know, like the the mystery of the Maillard reaction that we still don't fully understand how it works, but um just what what transforming food really is and how you can control it and be smarter about it. Really, really inspiring. Yeah, yeah and I, I like that you were used the word mystery because I feel like that's what he did was demystify. There was so much Absolutely. in cooking to me that was just like this i don't know this this black hole of i don't get it i don't understand and i think a lot of it was the why and the just the the pragmatism of, of hard testing things and and going oh that works better you know to me i like, needed those i needed those answers yeah it's like stuff i would take for granted too just never thought about and then yeah. he like starts talking about it like, ah, i guess i never thought that that's how like convection ovens worked or whatever and you're like huh okay um yeah it's it's that kind of just engaging it it sticks with you more i think for me if i understand why things work they're they're more likely to stick with me it it definitely did for me too um i watched so many cooking shows before that i really liked watching um gosh what was the guy jeff smith i think was his name Mm. um not frugal gourmet or something like that um, there was a uh, Nyan can cook and and all those people when I would watch them, it was always fun to watch them, but it was never something I felt like I could apply. I didn't feel like I was like, it was almost more entertainment to me than it was educational. And then right. when I started watching Alton, it was just, wow, this is information packed. Like I could rewatch this episode and probably, you know, pick up a few more things every time. And it's not, I'm not watching it as a, um, a bystander. I almost feel involved you know, in a, well, in a different way. It was almost a it, calling to me, like, you need to cook now, now go cook, you know? Yeah, and it's, and it's not, <laughs> and I guess if it were just, if it were just informative or just educational, that's one thing, but he was also super yeah. funny. And, yeah. and it's true. It's one of those shows that you just true. like, it's man, engaging it's the, the right amount of tongue in cheek humor to keep you yeah. kind of engaged. And um, he, he moves things along and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's one of the better, better shows. I, I think I've ever you know watched just and, the way it's constructed. 
and another thing that he really got me into, I feel like, is food history. So he would he would often bring in, well, you know, oh, the yeah. original blah, blah, blah. And so that's where I'm at now, man. I hear about something and I just want to know. I want to know the history. I want to know where it started, who did it, you know, how it got invented, even though, you know, honestly, a lot of those stories are probably half truths and embellished right. and whatever, whatever. But I think that having that background of, you know, this dish originated in Alaska. Okay. Now I'm thinking about the Alaskan people, the Alaskan diet, the foods there. Like, okay, now I can see how this dish would, you know, come from there, whatever it is. But I really like yeah. that kind of a thing. It gives you that that 360 understanding of something more than just, you know, here's the ingredients. We mix them in this proportion. We do it at this heat right. and we serve it on this plate, you know? Yeah. History and, 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 you know, the, just the general evolution of things over time. And like, when you see, I don't know, new technology come into play that changes yeah. how, how like an entire new variety of dishes can spring up because this exists. And sometimes for better or worse, I, the, the jello craze of the 1950s, right. I don't know, and, and, take and it or leave it. But. Yeah. The microwave <laughs> craze of the eighties. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's just fascinating though. And and to your point, like, yeah, I mean, every, you might get some half truths in there, but it still, I think it speaks to like, well, there is a culture that's kind of got this story and narrative around something that might only kind of be true, but man, they, they sure seem like they care about it. So I think that that, you know, tells a story in and of itself. Right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It all starts with passion. And I I do. I love that. And then it's it goes back to the people who are going to continue it, celebrate it, you know, make it make it a part of their lives and their children's lives. And that's that's where food is really neat. Damn straight. Tell me about tell me about blue cheese bacon burger and where you got that. And uh, as much of uh, that experience as you're willing to talk about. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So once upon a time in college, <laughs> I was we all, in college we all did this. Yes. and did what all college, every ass college kid does this mom and dad. Um, but you know, <laughs> every now and again, you're going to meet some good people that happen to be into psychedelics. And I had some friends that were, um, had some mushrooms. So, um, nice. you know, we, we had our mushroom fun and, you know, I don't know this is not the the time or the place for that, but uh, needless to say, there's, there's a, there's a journey you go on where you're going to have a, a kind of a, a rise to a peak. And then you kind of come down on the other side of the peak of all the craziness of, of the mushrooms and you start to get kind of hungry. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I'd never really been into blue cheese before. Um, this is kind of one of those things that I think like on its face, it, it seems gross it's like yeah you're like oh the cheese has mold on it and then you know as you get older you're like that's probably the most ironic thing you've ever said but um (laughs) you know it's like oh all cheese is mold and this is just you know a different situation but anyways we ended up um going to like the local grocery store and it's it's one of those things where like you know mushrooms comes with a lot of like visuals and, and very very bright, shiny lights uh, when you go to the grocery store. Um, yeah. But, you know, you're just going down these aisles. You feel like you're in this very space, sage, futuristic place. And uh, but, you know, I've got I've got this buddy who, you know, one of the friends I was with also happened to be like really big at working in kitchens his whole life. He was the friend that, you know, he was like our, our drunk chef, like whenever. Awesome. <laughs> We would have those nights. He would just open the fridge and start throwing things together. You know, he really wouldn't even ask permission. And like the first time you're kind of like, what are you doing? And then after you eat whatever he made, you're like, <laughs> I'm never going to question you again, you know? Um, but he's one of those guys that you're, you know, he's a just, good friend to have. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was, uh, he's, he's a good guy. Um, but we, uh, <laughs> anyway, so he's just like, let's make some uh, bacon blue cheeseburgers. And I was like, I don't know, whatever. I'm just hungry. Let's, you know, so we we do the journey through the um, through the grocery store and pick out the the ingredients. You know, but like made the made the patties from from ground beef and just uh, you know store bought bacon and blue cheese. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, uh, just that's that's it. You know, went home, pan fried, made burgers. I think you know ketchup and I don't I don't think we did mustard. I think this is like ketchup, bacon, blue cheese. Um, but man, I, I think that might have been where I really really started to love funk. Um, and I think awesome. there might be something to say for like, I, you know, I am a proponent of psychedelics. I think 
they're as much as I've only ever really used them for um, recreational purposes. I I do think that they have some um, they they are they draw connections in your brain or help you like think through things or like open new doors in weird ways. Like and it's not just me saying this. There's lots of studies. But um, the notion of me being really open to blue cheese and thinking, holy cow, this is really good. You know, I don't I don't really know. Was that just the right time in my life where if I had eaten it normally, would I have ever tried it normally? Like it just, you know, um, all things said, I, I really, really fell in love with kind of the funky aspect of blue cheese. To the point where like for months after that, I would just have like a container of blue cheese. I would make blue cheese bacon burgers for like a month after that. But then I just started awesome. having like or blue cheese in my fridge and I just like eat a few crumbles every now and again because I <laughs> loved it so much. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 I, I, I completely agree with you on the psychedelics thing. I know that there's a lot of exploration into using them in therapy um, and using yeah. it in more of a more of a clinical setting where you're being guided through. Um, yeah. And I could see yeah, how doing that, that, you know. Yeah. And I could see how doing that would maybe create more benefits. But I think and and you know this is going to be different for everybody, but I think that, uh, even using them recreationally can do exactly what you said, um, kind of give your life that slight paradigm shift, that little bit of a different perspective. And through that perspective, you're going to see new opportunities and maybe take new chances. And I, I, I really like that the outcome for you was bacon, uh, blue cheeseburger. <laughs> I think that's great. Honestly, and partly because I love burgers so much, but also right. because I think the getting into funk thing and like taking that risk and then being rewarded for taking that risk um, in food, I think is one of my favorite things. I, I like trying something that is a little outside of my comfort zone and then going, oh, wow, I'm so glad I did this. And then the result of that is that little container of blue cheese crumbles in your fridge. And I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I do not want to, for anyone out there, I don't want to minimize the therapeutic experience you can get from these things. Yeah. To like new food choices. Cause you're absolutely right. Like I've had, I've had other kind of epiphanies and things like that through these experiences. I think um, they're very valuable, but um but yes, also this, you know, food, food tastes amazing um, on the come down. So, <laughs> um, so if you're, if you're really out good. at a restaurant and you see a uh, bacon blue cheeseburger on the menu, is that something that you order now to this day? Like, are you uh, I mean, those still? Or? It's, I mean, yes and no. Okay. Like, it's one of those things that I, I always have this, um, I think it it kind of came out of my craft beer nerdiness, but like this desire to try something I haven't tried before on menus a lot of times. Nice. So if it's something that I've, I've beat to death, like the bacon blue cheese, it probably becomes less, but there's, you know, that's always like the, I get somewhere I'm starving. I look at the menu. That's something I see. It's like, uh-huh. Yup. That's, yeah. That, <laughs> that's sounds, that sounds right right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, I would say not, not my normal go-to on the burger side of things. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is any version that you're going to have is competing with the good one, you know, you can make at home. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's, that's always my issue is like, am I going to order that? Because I know I can make that really well. <laughs> right. And probably solid 10, $15 cheaper, all, all said and done. So something you mentioned in your survey also is that you're not that much of an adventurous eater. And I wonder, uh, living in Wyoming, if game is not on the menu a lot. Oh, is okay, that that's interesting. That you, yeah, because yeah. I would think that you'd be surrounded by rabbit and elk and bison and venison, like on a pretty regular basis. Which, no. So, so okay, and so I think this is a weird. It's a it's an interesting question you pose. The idea of adventurous eating and what that means to some people versus others. Right. For me. For me. Uh, mushrooms are icky. I right. <laughs> like, I, so I like mushroom gravy. Oh, so good. Cause there's not, you know, and it, it turns out it's more like button mushrooms that I, I'm realizing as I get older, it's just like the, okay. The, the slimy ones. The, styro on the styrofoamy, slimy texture. Yeah. yeah you're eating no. slugs. It yeah. just, the, exactly. It's, it's the slugginess of it. Like that's probably what I dislike. And it has kind of given mushrooms a bad name. Um, but I've had like a buddy who made me a, a lion's mane mushroom chicken nugget once. And I thought it was a chicken nugget. So, nice. you know, 
that that's like, okay. But I mean, like not big with mushrooms. They don't like olives. I, you know, when you, you know, talk about kind of organs and awful and all that stuff, I'm like, ugh. yeah. And I yeah. mean, I have had, um, uh, Rocky mountain oysters, but that also it's like fried and you're like, it's just fried food. I don't know. It, it didn't feel adventurous, but when you bring up game, I'm like, Oh yeah, I've eaten a lot of game. I just, that doesn't seem weird to me, I guess. And, you know? and it doesn't seem weird to you because you grew up in Wyoming and right, you now live right. in Colorado. So that's like, <laughs> and, uh, Oh no. Yeah. That's not I think strange my, or adventurous. Right. I think the thing you made me think of is, is one of these stories from high school where I remember, yeah, um, you're hanging out with all your friends and it's, you know, it's the weekend. And I was like, you know, 17, 18, that party age, like ready to go to college kind of thing. But you have these, you know, I had a friend who had, I had lots of friends who had like a ranch and it'd be like, how far out of town? Oh, it's like five minutes out of town. So this, this friend from high school named Cody, we go out there and, it, and it's like the place you would go to kind of go on private land and, and drink beer underage. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 It's, it's, Wyoming there's like little else to do literally quite <laughs> moon literally. tower as it were yeah yeah exactly but then we get there <laughs> and like in and one of like Cody or his brother run inside and come back out and like oh dad dad made jackrabbit and I was like what and it was super tough um but it was so good it was just like I mean it was very stringy tough jackrabbit that was fried but it was it was one of these things where I was like oh yeah I guess probably a lot of people haven't had jackrabbit Nope. um yeah <laughs> i have never had i've i've never had jackrabbit <laughs> so that's I'm like, adventurous oh, yeah, I eating i guess that's it for me is like i've had yeah. that i've had plenty of elk and some deer jerky you know uh sure. probably some elk burgers bison all the time but i mean you get bison at most a lot of restaurants nowadays it's True. just like leaner cow um but yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, pheasant and and all that kind of stuff over the years. I guess that would be my more adventurous eating. But I don't know. Like, I feel like if I if it walks on four legs, it's gonna kind of taste like a cow, and if it it has feathers, it probably tastes a little like a chicken. I know I'm drastically oversimplifying, but um, I think in my mind, I'm like that's kind of the comparison for me. Is like, well, it's not that different. Um, but yeah. for other people, it might be like that's super weird. Yeah. And I think it's all just, it's cultural, it's geographic and it's, you know, you've got those point of references and uh, different people because of their culture and geography are going to have different points of references and things are going to seem very foreign to them that to you or what? No, we eat that all the time. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And vice versa. So I, I think it's a, it's a great world and I, I love that diversity. I think it would be a sad world if we were all just eating the same things and dude, all I know um, is listening weren't. to one of your one of your other guests, the one that had the, yeah. the tarantula jerky. I just my I'm I, I I still physically like ugh when I ugh, it just seems like I don't know like yeah, but uh, hey, it's you know, that that's somebody's adventurous eating. So when I was like thinking along those standards, I'm like, man, I am not on that level. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. I've never had tarantula <laughs> jerky. I'm always looking for opportunities to try new things, but I'm not, I wouldn't seek something like that out. And so I think for me, and I don't think he did either. I think it was just, there there was a couple, I remember. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, it makes me think to sometimes when I've been dared into trying things and I'm, I'm almost always game. I'm kind of the Mikey likes it of, uh, of eating (laughs) like, Oh yeah, give it, give it to airman. He'll try it. (laughs) And I will. They're not wrong. There you go. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So let's let's talk uh, about getting good service versus getting bad service and how that can affect your dining experience because you you touched on that a little bit and I really agree with you and I find that more and more because I can cook um kind of even what we talked about with the blue cheeseburger like you need to give me a little extra you know I'm not not always just in a restaurant for the food I want to be there for the experience and when I say service it's not that I want my ass kissed or anything that's not the kind of service I'm looking for uh, I, I want a real interaction with a real human who's present, who's both speaking to me and listening to me. And yes. I, I find that that is more rare than you'd think. I think a lot of, you know, even people who are trying maybe to give service, good service, they go into a bit of an autopilot um, where they're not quite present. They're not really in the moment. They're not really being genuine. And so when I have those experiences with people, and I'll tell you, honestly, a lot of those experiences are from family-owned, family-operated, um, owner-operator type places. Um, 
when I have those experiences, it's always very memorable and absolutely it influences how I feel about the food. So what do you think about that? Oh man, I mean, I I I think you you hit all the nails on all the heads there. Um, okay, awesome. So, so again, I, I, I knew we agreed on this <laughs> from reading your your answer. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, man. I grew up again working in a steakhouse, and I was back of house, but I also did the host job, and I yeah. In that, I also was kind of like I would sometimes hear customer complaints, things like that, but. Sure. You know, I got to talk to the servers a lot. And I knew we had some fantastic servers. And then I knew there were people who were there just to make ends meet. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it puts a different spin on things, right? Because I'm like, I'm empathetic. But at the same point in time, I'm like, man, if I, I man, it, you, you can tell it's like, they're probably not their favorite choice job, but they got, you know, some, some, some kids to feed or something. So there's always like the underlying you know, and, and so I try to have empathy, but still there's, there's the whole aspect of like, you know, I, I think we all get jaded in our jobs over time. Sure. I, I have my beef with the American tipped wage industry. I think yeah. tipping should be abolished. I think, I think it should be a, a job that somebody could have a livable wage and like a, a steady income, a predictable income on as exists in a lot of other countries. Right. Um, yep. and I think part of the issue you fight face with that is you're not attracting people to want to develop or love that work and want to do it for their whole life, but you do find those people, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and I think for me, like, and I, you know, not only that, but I grew up doing kind of like, I've always been service industry. I'm in financial services now. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the whole concept of taking care of your customers is something I hold very true to my, you know, What's important, right, is like in in the world of big business, you can let numbers be everything or you can remember that it's about the people you're taking care of. And I think you you see, like you noted in the small family owned stuff there, people are probably in that because they they care and they're passionate and it's something they they wanted to do because it's not easy a small business owner. I think sometimes more of the corporate places, it's somebody somewhere just wants to make money. They're not wanting to make people happy necessarily they just want to make a profit and no matter what you do that will matriculate down into your company you know at some point somewhere unless every single person in that company really really believes in the mission um and the bigger you get the harder that is so that that's my philosophy on it but i'm always very attuned to like because you know i i've hired phone service associates or like i know when i see people who are like good at service and who are not like i'm, I'm used to like looking at that from a talent assessment perspective and it, yeah. and it, it it's it's noticeable when you can see the people who like it isn't just a script and i can appreciate those people too right the people who are just like boom 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 like my water is one quarter left and there they are to fill it up and then right. here they Check in, move me about 20 minutes after I finish this. And there they are. Boom. Like they're very on the money. Um, I really appreciate that. Like when somebody is just like, hey, you know, it's not going to be the most memorable experience I had, but you were there. You were you were aware of what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then there's the people who go above and beyond where you're like, I feel like I made a friend. Um, There's this there's this lady here in in the spring. So me and a buddy from work would always go to a place called Salsa Brava. Um, Yeah. And it was like right by the office we worked at, like, you know, this is like 10 years ago. Um, But this this server, her name was Jamie, and she would wait on us all the time. Um, We would go in like every other Friday, whatever. But no, we just got to know her super well. And then, yeah, we stopped going like life's changed, whatever. Like a, a couple months ago, uh, we went out for a work thing at another restaurant in town and she was our server. And like, I saw her and I'm like, Jamie? Nice. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, and she didn't remember our names, right? Because she talks to hundreds of customers. But I was of just like, course. we used to, used to wait on us at Salsa Brava. And she's like, oh my God. Like, she's like, yes, I, yeah, I remember you guys. Like that kind of, but yeah, that like that to me is one of those things that I don't know you're 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 kind of you know 
you find these people in your life that no matter what you do, you can't forget them. Um, for the most mundane reasons, like, man, they were just like really, really good at like making me feel wanted and, and, and welcomed into the restaurant. And, Oh, that is so key. I'm glad you touched on that. I feel like that's part of it is that sometimes I feel like I go places and the employees would rather I had not walked in the door. It's like, Oh, another more work, you know, another person we have to help. I can't just sit here and watch the clock and, and get out of here. And I, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to put on you. I just was hungry and damn it, you know, like now this is this whole uncomfortable situation that's, I'm feeling bad now because you don't really want me there and you've kind of let me know in your demeanor and your attitude. Whereas the flip side of that, if somebody's like really, you know, pleased to have you there and instead sees you as an opportunity, um, it, it feels so much better on the customer end to be treated like that, to be treated like, oh, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for choosing us today. Yeah. You know? And to actually mean it, right? Yeah, um, to mean it. And, yeah. And, it, and it's weird because I think it's one of these like psychological things where then the experience does bleed into your your meal. Like I think our brain, whatever, you know, you're super stressed because like the bad experience, then that cortisol is going to be all in your system when you go to you know, eat yep. food and you're just be like, ah, oh, food is not, you know, you're, you're reacting to the stress well, more. Than yeah. Food. Yeah. You're almost, you're almost looking for a problem with the food because there's right. already been problems. Right. Right. So instead right. of, instead of it's all green lights from here, it's like, oh no, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what they messed up on my order. You, you're biased going into it. And I think the opposite yep. is true that like <laughs> a really yeah. good service experience could probably make a mediocre yeah. dish a little yeah. better. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Tony Bourdain used to talk about how his best food experiences are with his toes in the sand. And I think that's what it is, is like if somebody makes you feel welcome, if they put you at ease the moment you walk through the door, make you feel comfortable, make you feel wanted, you've got toes in the sand at that point. And I think your experience is just already like plus two. Everything's plus two from from there on out. And I, I really do agree with you. You're familiar with the the concept of the third place? Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah, we actually, right. I, I talked about that. I had a guest, Tasha, who who brought that up. And I, okay, maybe I it really, did come up I, on here too. Okay. Yeah, I really do love that idea. Um, it's funny because my, my business that I want to start, it doesn't really have a seating. Um, and so my concept would be an online community that becomes a third place. Uh, oh, cool. So I, it's kind of like an e third place. But yeah, uh, I, I do appreciate that quite a bit. Sure. And we, we kind of had that during, you know, the, 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 the fun pandemic days with our, yes, with yes. our Zooms back then with the, you know, Hey, let's, you know, I'm, I'm at home, but let's escape from home for a few hours and, and be in an yep. online community. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I definitely needed that. That was, that was huge. Um, I want to talk about how Mexican food would be the one food that you would eat if you had to eat food from one country for the rest of your life. And not just because, yeah, awesome choice, dude. I agree. And then you're reasoning about how it's something that you could eat every day. It's funny you say that because I remark about that too. It's like, what is it about Mexican food? Like, I swear, if I ate pizza yesterday, I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if I want pizza again. Like, I had pizza yesterday. Like, whatever. Like, I have that weird, I don't know what that's about. But Mexican food? Tacos? Uh, Again? Yes. Again tomorrow? Sure. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, Jeff. I don't know what the magic yeah. is. There's something right? there's something about that. It's it just doesn't stick with you as long. Like you're able to cycle through it and be ready for more, like much faster. But then yeah, also, I, yeah. you mentioned two of my favorite dishes, two of my all-time favorite dishes, yeah. mole and birria. Mm, yep. And yeah, what was I, interesting to me, thinking about what mole and birria are are chili and runny chili. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you like chili. You like chili, Mike. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so do I, apparently. Cause analysis, yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I think it's the chocolatey, a little chocolatey from the mole. Yeah. I, I, oh, me too. It's the bitter chocolate, right? Like, I, I have had moles where I'm like, did you put sugar in this? Like, please. Oh. Like, Totally. Or did you use milk chocolate? Like what's going on here? Um, yeah. It just, you know, that that's not what I'm looking. And I've, you know, 
I've definitely had gone to places where I'm like, ooh, mole. And I'm like, wait, this is a place with the the mole dish is like a $9 plate. I'm like, it's probably going to be sweet. So I, I've yep. learned learned my lesson there. But yeah, man, I mean, I, again, growing up in Wyoming, not a ton of culture, but one thing we did yeah. have a fair amount of was Mexican food. Um, awesome. And little did I know until I grew much older, but like that is like a very, very broad spectrum. And so when you ask the question on the survey, I'm like, well, I can get away with Mexican because that's like technically probably like 20 different cultures of, of different food dishes, you know, but sure. sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, like uh, I I'd say one of my, my favorite experiences in recent time is a place called Adelitas up in Denver. I um, love that place. I've been there many times. Yeah, I believe it's Oaxacan, if I remember right. I believe it's Oaxacan. I think that's correct. Yeah. And they yeah. and they lean, they lean on the mole stuff. Like that. And that was another one of these things. Like I went there uh with uh, with a girlfriend from uh from a couple of years ago and um walked in. And it was one of those things where like they asked, like, hey, first time here. And the answer was yes. The guy who's our server, like, took the time to like take a knee basically at our table and say, all right, well, Hey, let me fill you in a little bit on, on who we are. And like, nice. Just gave a little speech. Wow. Then they came out and they did, they gave us a complimentary, like, um, it was like a, they had a like salsa sampler. So like, you know, five or, or four or five different salsas. And you, um, but just the, just the, the, the welcome, right. The welcome wagon, um, of, Hey, I'm, we're going to take a little extra time to make you feel extra welcome here. Um, yeah. And boy, do I talk about them a lot and recommend people go there and go back there every time I get a chance. Like, you know, it, it's that uh, repeat business that you're guaranteeing with that kind of stuff. But man, they, that place they really know incredible. what they're doing there. I, I completely oh, yeah. agree from the food to the service. And then that tequila mezcal list is incredible as well. But yeah, that oh, yeah. place, I, I feel the love every time I go there. Definitely. Yeah. And it's usually packed, but they like, I, every time I yep. go, it's like jam packed and they're like, yeah, it'll be like a 15 minute wait. And I'm like, what? there's like 20 people waiting and all your tables are full and you're telling me 50 and it always is like 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, my gosh, yep. you got to turn these tables over. Um, they do. And it's, and it's the food's good too. It's not like they're cutting corners. It's the, everything is, is to the nines, you know? Yeah. 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 I miss that place. Well, Shoot, I might end up uh, eating there. We're still trying to figure out where we're going to eat uh, when I'm in town on the 17th. So maybe maybe we'll stop at Adelita's. It's been a while. I love that place. Oh, it used to be it used to be I could go there, and there was a couple breweries down the street. But I think both of them has uh, have since closed. Well, Black Project, yes, but Dos Luces is still open. I think. Unless oh, are they okay? One. Yeah. I thought Dos Luces had announced that they were closing, but maybe I'm it. Maybe more recently. I be you know, okay. again. It's always the I haven't checked recently, and uh, yeah, some of these recent trends in the craft beer industry. It's kind of they are dropping know, like things, flies. Things are starting to slow down. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, I want to kind of end on a, a bit of a serious note. We had mentioned uh, your father earlier, and when I asked you the question, uh, who from your past or alive today would you want to have a meal with? And you said your dad, but you also said that it'd be about cooking with your dad. And and I I imagine that would be a, a pretty cool thing if you had that opportunity. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, pretty straightforward. I lost my dad to a heart attack at uh, 17. So hmm. um, one of those things where it's interesting, like a lot of the deaths in my life, it's their one, they're there one minute on the next kind of thing. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough, right? Like it's, it's hard to really crystallize, uh, all the things that you wish you could have done or wish you could have said, and yeah. I was a 17 year old little shithead. So that didn't help in the sense of like, just who I was, you know, it's just the rebellious teen years. And I, I'm a, I'm a, if you know me, I'm a very opinionated person. Um, and certainly more so as a 17 year old and, uh, my dad was a railroader, so he would be yeah. is very unpredictable schedules with railroaders. They, you know, it's all based on when trains are coming and going. So kept weird sleep cycles. Like he wasn't always there for dinner. Sometimes is, you know, just random stuff. But uh, what I guess it led to was like, you know, it's, it's a lot of experiences that I didn't get to have there. Um, yeah. The things we did talk about, like we would be on road trips and we'd sit in the car and just talk about like random, like, 
um, <laughs> perpetual motion machines and all this weird sciencey stuff. But I just feel like one of the things we never got around to really talking a lot about was food or like the family culture around food that we have or like, cause he would cook stuff, but I never really knew why he picked the dishes he picked. Like some of the things we've talked about today, it's more like, mm -hmm. you know, his mom and my, you know, my, so my grandma and grandpa both passed. Um, so it's a lot of like, ah, we, it's a, it's a big informational black hole on his side of the family. Um, but I think it's one of those things that if, uh, if I could do it all again, you know, it's, it's tough, right? Like I, I don't live life with regrets of having lost my dad at a young age, but there are things like, you know, I feel like there's some experiences, uh, that I would have gotten to have that I, you know, don't get to have there Certainly. as much. Yeah. With, with a guy who was like, you know, secretly passionate about kind of cooking. He wasn't like making really extravagant dishes, but he just, he knew how to make good quality food and, um, and, and do so consistently, you know what I mean? Like, um, but it's just like one of those experiences. It's just in my head. Like, it'd be cool to just be, you know, working in a kitchen in tandem and, and making something delicious and probably, probably end up being a chili or curry chicken or one of these like dishes from our past but um yeah man that's uh that's that's it man it's uh one of those one of those opportunities that uh would be you know well you know maybe get some vr goggles one of these days and <laughs> do it that way or well, something and and i i feel like what that you know hopefully other people are hearing is that they want to take those opportunities to make those connections with the people um who they can you know to to seize the opportunity and you know, like you said, uh, I was also a 17 year old little shit. So uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't aware enough to uh, make sure that I had that information from from people I cared about. Uh, I was able uh, later in life to remember some of the dishes that I had growing up from like my grandmother and reach out to her before she passed and get some of that information from her. Um Again, it was, you know, some of them were just takes on on famous recipes from sure. cookbooks that had been out in the for years. But at the same time, um, just showing that interest, I think, meant something to her as well. And so I think similarly, I think, you know, making that connection with your father, cooking with him, uh, not only would it mean something to you, but I think it would mean something to him that you had that interest in him and who he was and, you know, where his influences came from, where his passions came from. And I think you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like you were saying, like, it's the root, like we were, you know, with the, the mole and the birria coming from Chile. Like, I feel like that there's, there's these, these roots that if we can kind of understand the background, um, uh, it gives us more information about where we're headed personally, even, you know, and I like that yeah. you cook, I like that you cook professionally and I like that you cook now. And I feel like that's, you know, a bit of a connection that you, you know, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, it's weird to think. It's weird to think that your dad's there with you or watching over you because I'm not really into that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, I, mean, I, I do like, I do like that there's something inside of you that makes you want to do that. You know what I mean? And that may come yeah, from him. I, and I've had these weird, like you know, human brain because I'm I'm very much I'm not I'm not a religious person, but um, yeah. I've had those like weird moments where I've had like dreams where my brain justifies like the oh my dad's in my dream and I'm like hey how are you here you should be dead. And, yeah. and then he's yeah. like, oh, here's how I'm here and explains it. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And he tells me like, hey, I'm great. Things are going well. Like, it's weird how the brain finds closure on these things, whatever. Like, yeah. You know, and that's really what it is. It's like resolving yeah. things for you. Yeah. 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 But at the same point in time, like I, I you know, I've, I've known a lot of people who've lost parents and stuff. And it's, it's one of those things. It's a black hole that will always be there. Um, it's a matter of learning to, to love and appreciate it for what it is because it's, yeah, it's like, it, it just makes the, the things you think about and the memories you keep all that much more valuable. Um, but that is at the end of it all, like, you know, we, you know, as 17 year old shit, like I said, we didn't have the, you know, the <laughs> perfect, perfect relationship, but we got along more often than we didn't. Um, and that's the stuff you, you're going to remember is just like, Hey, I know my dad would be proud of this, or I know my dad would, uh, be excited about this thing. And, you know, at, at some point in time, like I I've pretty much, you know, painted the picture of, of, of what he would be saying if he was looking down. So, um, nice. yeah, I think, I think it all, it all works out. Hell yeah, man. Well, Mike, this has been awesome.
You are so fun to talk to. You you know it's funny you say you're opinionated and I would I would agree with you but like I don't feel like your opinions are to step on anyone else. It's just you have found yourself and determined who you are not based on the influences of the world but based on who you truly are at your core and I really respect that. So thank you so well, much yeah. for your time. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I think I've, I've learned cause I, you know, it may sound this way now, but I've definitely been very stubborn with an opinion to the point where I've hurt people, you know, like, I think we all have that potential. Um, sure. but I do think to your, your point about, you know, forming my own opinions on stuff. Yeah. I, I grew up as kind of a, a food mutt where it was like, we just ate the things my parents made. I never asked a ton of questions, but it, they never really gave a lot of background, you know? Um, yeah. As I went into the world and started trying to figure out what I like and what I didn't like, I, it was very freeing because there wasn't this preconceived notion of, you know, what I gravitate towards aside from Mexican food, just because yeah, it's delicious. Um, but like, you know, I, I think that there is that like, you know, food identity is something that I I get to choose. And I, I love that yep. freedom. Yeah. And, and the way things resonate with you. It's, it's very genuine. And, you know, I feel it when you talk about it. So, uh, I, I appreciate that and I appreciate you. So same, same time, you, man. I think that's, hey, uh, let's, let's, let's hang out soon. Are you going to be around? No, you're out of town when I come, aren't you? Yeah, man. It's just, you, I'm missing you uh, by like a day, man. Uh, yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it again soon. I promise. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to find an excuse to, to come out to Washington too. That's oh, always a, a worthy do. trip. Yeah, please do. All right, man. Well, take it easy. I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.